0: Studio Tortue presents The Deep Folk Companion, an ongoing discussion of artificial intelligence and its role in the creative process. All right, I'll, I'll start with just asking you a basic question, okay? hmm Okay, who are you?
1: Who am I? Yes. Um, Malcolm Sutherland. I'm an animator by trade. And a director and studio partner with this guy, Simon. We run Studio Tortue that does all kinds of various uh, media projects like podcasts and animated movies and board games. So that's me. Who are you?
0: Um, I'm Simon Cuddy. I'm all of those things, but Australian. (laughs) So, what, Malcolm, what did we do?
1: Well, we discovered AI Dungeon, is <laughs> probably the best way, the best description, and it blew our minds. What is AI Dungeon, Simon?
0: What is AI Dungeon? AI Dungeon is an interactive text based game that you're kind of communicating with a hyper sophisticated artificial intelligence that is able to take whatever input you give it and output narrative somehow. Right. Is is that correct?
1: Yeah, and it's kind of emulating an old-fashioned, old-fashioned as in the early days of uh, text-based MUD adventure games like Return to Zork and stuff where, you know, text will come on the screen describing where you are. You're next to a white house, and then you literally type in with text what you want to do, and it will you know, describe to you what happens. But the problem with all those old adventures was really that there was a set number of commands, and half the time you would be like, "Um, pick up the key. And it wouldn't understand or be able to parse something about the way you said it. So the cool thing about this is that the text feedback is spontaneously created by a neural network, and it's madness it all kind of it seems to always know what you're talking about and to be able to track the situation but it's like talking to a person on acid or like it's complete insanity
0: <laughs> yeah it should be clear as well that we don't really understand what we're interacting with we, <laughs> no we know we know there's like a ghost in there that talks to us and we talk back and we're not sure where the It's like we we don't know what's behind the curtain. It's it's all curtain to us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like our background is totally like we're like luddites in the world of artificial intelligence. Like we we have almost we have a friend who works in artificial intelligence. That's about as deep as our experience goes. We know
0: we know a guy (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So, but that being said, we are both fascinated with new technologies, especially how that can be connected to creativity and generation of ideas.
1: Yeah, that was when this like really popped for us, was when we were able to have this sort of like hands-on experience with the technology in the field that we work in, which is like strictly creative.
0: Well, I guess where we are now talking about this on a podcast, how did we even get to this point? Like what happened that made us have the Eureka moment?
1: Up until about maybe like a month ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer ago, we were just sort of casually following it, and you know, every once in a while, I would like open it up and have a little weird exchange with it, and be completely enamored, and then forget about it again and go back to my work. About three weeks ago or something, I don't know, a month ago, recently, the one of the board games we're designing, uh, which is called Sewer Light, the mechanics of the game. Have finally gotten to the place where it's really solid, and our games are a lot of fun, so it's moving into the the next phase of like world building and you know developing the backstory for the different factions that are in the game, which is like really fun, juicy stuff. So in the effort to work on that, uh, you know the light went on. I was like, oh, I could just like literally go into the custom mode in AI dungeon and start building my own scenarios to just go into the world of the board game and see what happens maybe it'll like give me some ideas or you know just just for fun so i did that and i generated like a couple adventures and then started sharing them uh with you and some of our other friends and it was really fun and then somewhere along the line we also discovered that it was not fun to read it like it was a lot more fun to just have it read to you
0: yeah, you you sent me a, an audio recording of just you reading through a transcript of one of your adventures and it was it blew my mind how engaged I was because you're not exactly the best writer in the world. I'm <laughs> I think you're an incredible illustrator artist director but I wouldn't say writing is your strong suit. So to hear you read aloud this story which was very very Malcolm Sutherlandy but there was a layer of surprising, remarkable, I don't know what, je ne sais quoi, it blew my mind. I was like, wait, we just like, something just happened.
1: Yeah, it was really like, it was kind of a little magic moment. I mean, even for me, you know, like listening back to my own dumb voice, record, like reading off these stupid, random seeming stories. It was like, wow, this is like, it takes it to another place, you know, like it's one thing reading the text on the screen, but when you have that, like when you have it being read by a person, it lends it a, a degree of credibility or it makes it accessible in a way that just like the text on the screen maybe isn't. Exactly. And and in this case, we're like, I feel like
0: we're con men or something, because like you said, that credibility, the reading it aloud, and because what we're also doing is adding sound design over it to make it seem like a real radio drama kind of it's like you go into a haunted house and you realize all of the monsters are animatronic and it's not so scary anymore <laughs> it's like no no one's realized that the the animatronic nature of the delivery i guess i'm not sure what i'm saying but you
1: get what i mean it's yeah totally i guess in that analogy we're like the weird creepy haunted house owners hiding behind the curtain being like (laughs) I killed that kid
0: (laughs) exactly and I think that you and I have no pretense in what we're doing one thing I think's crazy is the ramifications of what this means in the creative field and that you and I work in that field in terms of like world building and scripts for whether or not it's it's series or whatever like I'm not a fucking good writer either but we can talk with a magical robot through our computer and then it's like i uh i don't know it it, i'm touching into some some magical energy out there that was created by a i don't know a bunch of nerds teaching a robot some words
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it really is magical it's like you know sometimes um in the past i remember hearing maybe it was elon musk or some other experts in the field of ai talking about that like the most successful version of humanity moving into the future is one where we merge with ai and ai sort of augments our own capacity and in this case it it couldn't be clearer right because you and i both work in a visual medium but we do have areas of overlapping skill with this ai because we're storytellers because you know we deal very much in like pacing and staging and dialogue and like just the general delivery of a story in a way that's engaging but we're shit writers and this just totally fills in that gap you know that's the whole idea right that the best chess player is a
0: human player working in conjunction with like a you know, deep mind or whoever, some it's super AI. This is gonna have huge ramifications on the
1: creative industry in and it's gonna be wild, I think. A new like frontier. Well, maybe I'll put this question to you because one of the things that we've both been grappling with as we like dive into this as a as a form of creative expression has absolutely been where do we hand over the reins to the AI and when do where do we step in and infuse it with our own sort of vision and purpose because in a way we've kind of both lost our mind a little bit trying to find that balance
0: you mentioned which was really rewarding at least for you in dealing with this thing is the idea that you can still see the individual creator or the human component as it touches this thing because that was a bit gratifying for us at least to realize that we're not completely obsolete in this moment, right? <laughs> and it, it is. It's like you're. we're looking into this thing and we're like, what does this m- mean? Like, what is the ramifications for everything? So just a bit of the context ha- as to how we interact with it is we, we put prompts, you know, it could be dialogue, like I go to the shops and then you hit enter and it continues from there, right? Like I go to the shops and then it gives what happens at the shops or, or you never really know what it's going to do, but you can keep regenerating off the same prompt to get it into a direction you sort of want it to take you. So it's also about wrangling this thing. You've mentioned that uh, it's like a, like a, a energetic child or a, that you you need to kind of be like, yeah, that's really cool, but let's just go over here. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of our jobs is to wrangle this thing, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Like AI wranglers. (laughs) Yeah in in the creative field, like there are a lot of like concrete tools that AI Dungeon gives you to help with that. You know, like there's randomness sliders. You can change the way that the AI will generate dialogue when you're playing it in creative mode. You can actually go back and edit the text that it spit out, and then when you re-enter new text, it will continue based on the altered text. So. can very much go back in and change and alter what the AI has made and what it will work off of.
0: Because of that, we have to try and ask ourselves the question, how much do we let the AI take us somewhere that we might not otherwise go that could be more creatively fulfilling, more narratively unexpected? Because you and I work in a field of we we do work a lot with cliche, you know, whether or not it's building on the classic ar- character arcs, narrative arcs, you know, there's a thing that has a payoff later. But the AI isn't really operating under larger narrative arcs where we mm-hmm. are trying to. I think it's a constant push and pull as we're trying to fight it while also letting it show us amazing things, right?
1: Yeah. And that's where I would say this like overlaps with, you know, the skills you need as a film director or I guess as any sort of media director, where you kind of have to have this weird balance of awareness between like the macro world of your project and the micro world of the project. And that totally applies to this too, where it's like you can kind of funnel or yeah wrangle the ai in a way where it's contributing like it's just infusing your story with all sorts of like random little superficial weird things that are hilarious but yeah it's been definitely like a mind bending effort to try and bring that to like larger story arcs too
0: well how, here's a question how much of it do you think is you in you kind of interpreting <laughs> that the ai is in fact aware of it versus what it actually is right that's like the whole idea of those what's it called the uh the turing test yeah so the the turing test is the idea that is it sentient or is it just faking it so well right yeah and that's what i feel like could be happening because we as humans are so desperate to make meaning out of something so when there's these events or characters are saying something that somehow relates a little bit to something maybe from the past like that could be random or the AI could have kept track because it is using all previous text
1: into it going forwards, right? At least we think it is. Yeah, see, that's where you can lose your mind, dealing with this thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that's the magic mirror. That's, like, where you're looking into the void and it's it's totally, like, a psychedelic experience, you know, where you, you try to grapple with, like... Like, I don't think AI is there yet where it's... No offense, AI dungeon, if you are, <laughs> where it's like fully sentient and able to appreciate the larger psychological patterns and the, the way that human beings interpret like narrative. And like, I feel like human beings operate so much in the subconscious and we don't fully appreciate it, but it's a really important part of telling a story is to get those like subconscious connections in there, those little suggestions. And I don't think the AI is doing that. Like you said, like if the AI brings up something from like earlier in the story, as a human, you're like, oh my God, does that mean that like this person is actually their father? You know, all this other like implications of that. I don't think the AI is doing any of that. I think it's really processing text. How, how do you know? what? It could
0: be. (laughs) And I think that's right. Like the craziness of it. I I think this could be a good question is like to ask you of a moment when generating something narratively, where the AI spat something out that was kind of chilling in its subtleties of human understanding or context where Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, that, that feels a bit too human. It's almost like the uncanny valley of artificial text or something.
1: Yeah, totally. It's like that quote, I think that's where this gets creepy, right? Like that in that quote from the reporter of the New York Times, I think it was, and his one of his main words used to describe AI Dungeon or the engine that AI Dungeon is using was creepy. And it is exactly that uncanny valley thing. And I've had that like I don't know, three or four times while working on, you know, this first series where I'm just like what the heck
0: I've, I've got a good one that that kind of freaked me out that was the first time i stepped away from the keyboard and was like <laughs> oh like I, I got a chill there's
1: somebody on the other end it, a-
0: exactly <laughs> it was when uh, an fbi agent came into my character's office so the way we're running it as well is where the character we're playing kind of the you position and so i wrote you you stick a post-it note on his back this is just after he was leaving that says something just like offensive to stick onto his back, right? And that's all I wrote as my input. And then the AI spits out that I look over to my partner and I laugh and he he laughs as well. And then my character quotes dialogue that that FBI agent had just said and says like, "Oh, I'll see you guys around. Like you, And it says, you say in like a, a, a mocking voice and my partner laughs. Laugh. So the AI knew that, to the extent of my character's motivation in my subtle humiliation that I wrote something on a post-it to stick onto his back. The AI knew that humans do that as a dumb gag, that they do that, you know, just the levels of humanness in that moment, yet the AI 100% comprehended it and it freaked me out.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. That's totally amazing. That's like, that's pretty deep stuff, but I think it's not like deeper than that. Like it wouldn't do something... You know, maybe. Well, I don't know. You know, because it's really continuously surprising. Like I was gonna say that if you if you keep running that story, like a month from then, you know, would that guy remember the post it note, or would that that whole scene would that come up again? Because I think something that happens is it 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 misremembers
0: things a lot as well.
1: It's it's a bit crazy, you know. Like sometimes it makes just huge misreadings and misinterpretations of like a situation like forgetting how many people there are in the room or like what sex a person is or like
0: yeah like i guess that's the other side as remarkable and surprising as the ai is it's equally remarkable and surprising how kind of incorrect or misinterpretive it can be that it's still a long way to go but there's something that we love about like in in the current state of it it's what is. What month is it? I don't even know. Is it September? Are we in September? Yeah, September. Like rain right in the no, start of September. It's August. All right. Whatever. Who knows? <laughs> it's 2020. That's the AI. It's, it's the Dragon module, right? That says so this release. It's apparently called GPT-3. I'm, I'm just trying to learn about this stuff a little bit. I don't understand it. But its current state is this kind of perfect unison of being incredibly dumb while being incredibly smart. It's this like yeah. beautiful union, you know?
1: Yeah, which is like, I think describes us. Also. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're really good at some, maybe a few things, and then like incredibly stupid at others. So, like, so that
0: very basic, normal things. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to change. And that's something I thought that was kind of funny is like, oh, I think there's going to be a point that I'm going to miss the naivety of, because we can still see where the AI is, right? Like, we can still see the, see the men behind the scenes who are moving the puppets, but soon they're not going to be visible and it's just going to be the puppet. And you're going to be like, Oh, I think the puppet's real now, you know, like
1: yeah, but when I, it's I, all hidden. I, think, I feel like these initial forays that people are making into the world of like working creatively with an AI are probably going to inform how future creative AIs are used, like what sort of tool they offer to, creatives
0: yeah yeah i think it's going to be like a tool sets you know the same way that this exists as it's the dragon engine so this group dungeon ai they took or is it ai dungeon christ yeah ai AI dungeon (laughs) they took uh the GPT-3 model. So that stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer 3. So it's like a language model that uses deep le- learning that produces human-like text. I'm reading a w- Wikipedia <laughs> right now. But they took that and they taught it things. They fed it, I don't know, they said something like one trillion words of info somehow and, and, and funneled it for their needs to create the AI specifically for AI dungeon, so and I don't think it's still learning. I think it, that was it it's like yeah a, it's like a trained model yeah, exactly, and that gives me some hope to think, like in ten years, can I go back and talk to Dragon engine again?
1: yeah, that would be my my hope too like I'm already getting really attached to it as a tool and getting more familiar with how to use it, and I think the the like looseness and the randomness and the chaos of it is actually one of its major creative powers. Like if it wasn't, I agree. like imagine if it was an engine that could just spit out these totally coherent, uh, you know, pretty random, but sewn together narratives. And, you know, us as humans are just coming to the table to like execute it or translate that story into like, I don't know, I think we were really going to be missing something then something. And that's, that's our strength. I think as well is
0: that you and I are good at taking Inspiration from unusual places to create unconventional narratives. Like the search and the looseness and the mess of it is part of the process. Like a good example is that my series that I'm doing, Hot Dog Crime Police, started because you, in a message, well, you were talking about the weaknesses of the engine and you were sort of like, yeah, you can't really just say, you know, you're in a jungle and you want to get a hot dog. So, me being a little shit that I am, I took that input and I put it into the engine and it said, which is difficult because hot dogs are illegal. <laughs> and, and so that stupid phrase was the literal catalyst of now what is turning into like a multi part series, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the, that random unexpected nature, if you're willing to grab hold of it and run with it, because that's the magic, is you can, the whole premise of kind of what we're doing is taking the single dumbest idea that no one would ever bother to sit down and write, but we get to feed it into this thing that's doing the grunt work of making sense of our stupid, inane ideas, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that's magic, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I took, you know, the first snippets I heard from your hot dog cop story just made me laugh so hard, and I thought it was, like, kind of a genius idiot idea. So I was like, oh, man, I want to run a parallel campaign where there's a religious order based on fast food and you know we've we've kind of out of those two little joke like inspirations we've spawned these two series that you know like i totally don't mean to like toot our own horn or anything but it's like i find it really compelling i think that's like kind of why we're making it is like for each other and for people like us and for people who are like fascinated with the absurdity that ai can produce like this sort of coherent absurdity that makes us laugh like it's continually surprising and entertaining and engaging.
0: Yeah. It's such a meta, it's such a huge meta joke because there's every once in a while you think about it and you're like, what is the actual context here? What is the (laughs) situation? Like this is so ridiculous. And that's the magic. It can do that infinitely. Like sure. Hot dogs are illegal. You can say and input, anything. And as long as you keep pulling the thread for long enough and, and move it in a direction that, that at least prevents it from following its kind of familiar paths it will produce something you know like it will be remarkable
1: yeah we were talking about the tasks of an ai wrangler and that is very much one of them where at a certain point the narrative will fall apart if you just let the ai completely take over with this particular engine it after about five or six inputs and responses, it's sure to misinterpret itself or break the larger narrative or, you know, take you off in a direction that just completely undoes the things yeah, that I've done before.
0: Consistently offer vampires. It'll consistently <laughs> be like, and he was a vampire. And you have to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, whoa, whoa.
1: Yeah, totally. It's totally like dealing with a really excited five-year-old who yeah. is in love with monsters and murder and, Yeah.
0: That's another part of it. Like, how much of the system? See, I I don't understand because I kind of had the (laughs) idea or the thinking that the the system was learning
1: from the user's inputs, but I don't think it is. Right? Is it? I don't know if it's ongoing. I kind of have the feeling that it isn't. Um, But you know, this would really be an interesting topic to dive into if we can ever someone who knows, yeah, an AI expert or you know. It would be amazing to, and one of our hopes would be to get the creator of AI Dungeon and get him to sit down and talk to us idiots for an hour.
0: What, what's that? Who's got that joke? I think it's Dimitri Martin has a joke that's, how's it go? Magic is amazing if you're dumb <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Like, what is, What's the other saying you say about if you're too stupid? Ignorance is bliss.
1: is it the Fitz Arthur C. Clarke was like any sufficiently advanced technology will appear like magic? Yeah, exactly. Which I think like definitely applies to us encountering. But in it. our
0: case it's if any technology is sufficiently advanced, it'll seem like magic, especially if you're a moron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so to
0: us, the magic is also not necessarily wanting to fully comprehend it because the creativity that can come out of it is that unknowable, unknowableness.
1: Yeah. And one thing I realized as, you know, developing these these stories was <laughs> in a funny way, like that's how you and I sort of work with each other and use each other
0: (laughs) yeah and we're like each other's ai that's for sure
1: yeah like when i get stuck on a project or i need a good idea or you know i need to have like some fresh input i show it to you and you invariably spit out something that makes me laugh my ass off and get back to work.
0: And then you have to keep hitting the refresh button over and over until I say something that makes some <laughs>
1: degree
0: of sense. But I, I agree. And that's the the thing, right? Is that this, this these as a tool set, say if they are black boxes that once an AI exists like this, you can have closed ones or ones that continue to learn. Someone will be like, "Ah, oh, I use GPT-6 edition Griffin mode Module five. That's my thing, you know? That was the perfect moment for me, the tuned moment that the AI was there. And I think that's cool too, because that'll be the same for music generation, right? It's like, oh, that two, 2022, whatever generation year of music was the best year for music.
1: Yeah. I'm, I wonder if these sort of like states of AI development are archivable and being archived. It seems just like, you know, such astronomical amounts of data are involved in computational power that like- it's
0: server server power because yeah. as we sit there interacting with it that is fetching something from a server somewhere so it's the hope would be some kind of super server vault that they can live there kind of like roms for you know old arcade games mm-hmm. online etc but who knows emulators thanks.
1: We'll be like 80 years old running Dragon Engine on our AI emulators. Yeah, that's the dream in our re- retirement. <laughs> yeah,
0: because this is going to be the dawn. You know, this is we're in. We've been in the dawn for a long time. We're probably well past the dawn by now. Because us as the laymen have no real idea what the fuck is be- is happening out there in terms of artificial intelligence. Yeah. We just hear smart people go like, "The end of the world is coming," and we're like, "Oh."
1: Okay. But maybe we can use it to make our cartoons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have been listening to the Deep Folk Companion presented by Studio Tortue. Studio Tortue is Malcolm Sutherland and Simon Cotty.